My name is Rob Harrison, and I'm the host of Real Friends. Real Friends is a podcast dedicated to sharing some of the stories of my real friends. It's open, honest conversations about the highs and lows of real life. Today's story involves a good friend of mine, Caleb Baldwin. I've known Caleb for over 10 years, and he's now married, has a family, and a child on the way. Caleb and I talk about his current season of life, his passion for F3 Nation, and other things that make him tick. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Caleb's story. Okay, I'm here with my friend, Caleb Ball. Caleb, how you doing? Hey, Rob, man. It's awesome good to spend some time with you. It's been a while since I've seen you, dude. Yeah, amen. So I thought maybe what we could do is kind of pick up where we left off last time. This time, let's, uh, let's dig into your story a little bit. Um, oh, man, tell you what, that was such a long time ago. Um, what have we been talking about back then? <laughs> There's so many things that have changed yeah. since then. Well, let's go ahead and just start out fresh then. If I were to ask you, who is Caleb Bowen, how would you describe your current season of life? Oh, man, my current season of life is one of a lot of a lot of changes that are going on. It's, it's, everything is changing right now. Um, I've started, I've taken on some new responsibilities at work, trying to kind of starting to transition to a new uh, new role overall. I've been working in the pharmace- pharmaceutical industry for, was it, seven years now, eight years now. And um, I'm moving away from the operations and the scientific technical side into sales and business development. So I'm moving into commercial and, and the, the business aspects, which I never actually thought I'd be doing. But now that I'm here, it's just so fascinating, so much fun. And I think that... Um, I think that I can learn a lot, and I think that it's more suited for my personality. Mm. I mean, how many how many scientists do you know that talk as much as I do? <laughs> <laughs> That's just probably true. And I'll tell you, so there's that going on. I've also started with a new workout group called F3. If you guys ever want to check this out, F3Nation.com, letter F, number three, nation.com. It's fantastic. It's changing my life in a lot of good ways. Yeah. And not just my life, but everybody who gets involved, it's changing their life in good ways as well. 3F stands for fitness, fellowship, and faith. And you can't go wrong when you blend those three things That's together. Good, men pouring into men. The motto is leave no man behind, but leave no man where you left him. And that's something that in today's day and age we need more of is men pouring into men and helping uh, helping each other grow and become better versions of us for the betterment of society, for the betterment of the world, and for the betterment of ourselves and our families. And I'll tell you what, this group is doing a great job with that. Speaking of betterment and expansion of families, our uh, firstborn son is due in just a couple nice. of months. Pretty and I'll tell exciting. you what, wow, there's a couple of months. I know wow. June. June mm. 8th is his due date. And, Do you have a name? Uh, name yet? We do. We actually na- we're naming him Neil Stephen. Neil Stephen. Neil okay. Neil Armstrong. Actually, also happens to be my great grandfather's name was Neil. But uh, Neil Armstrong is where we came up with the name uh, because Neil Armstrong took humanity to new and unforetold heights. Hmm. I'm hoping that our son does the exact same thing for mankind. No pressure, right, kid? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Talk about family of origin issue. Jack. Yeah, I'll tell you what. No, but in, in all reality, we, we just we like the name Neil, and we yeah. looked it up, and it's actually it's got Gaelic um, roots. It means um, uh, champion. Mm. Neil is is Gaelic for champion, and regardless of what he accomplishes in in life, we do hope that he is a champion, a champion of everything that he sets out to accomplish he becomes a champion of virtue a champion of um of of morality a champion for the lord those are the things that we really really hope that he embodies and he embraces himself stephen we picked the name because it's both of our dad's name stephen so that's kind of a tribute to both of our pops so that's going to be a fun one um there was not a lot of debate over that one, except for how do you spell it. My dad spells his name with a PH, and her dad spells his name with a V. And, well, we went with PH because my dad came first. He's older. There you so. go. And so is he, are either you or Paige Gaelic? That's a, that's a good question. Gaelic is actually, strangely enough, a very particular region of Ireland. Uh-huh. And I actually don't know exactly which part of Ireland my family descends oh, from. Okay. So the long and short of it is yes. Um, think Celtic. Think uh, Gaelic is a language spoken throughout these, still spoken in these different areas. I know that um, uh, I think it's Galway up in the northeast. It kind of focuses on the eastern or the western part of, of Ireland. Um, 
I've been actually looking into linguistics a little bit lately, especially Gaelic. Did you know that on Duolingo you can learn Gaelic? It's one of the languages on there. It's fascinating. I haven't gotten into it yet. I've been focusing on French, but Gaelic yeah. it sounds so cool. And if you listen to some of the, the traditional Irish singers, actually, as they're yeah. singing their folk songs in Gaelic, man, it just, I mean, there's just a whole different level of awesome at that point. But, um, no, my family background, we do have... Uh, we do have a, a good portion of Irish. It comes from my mom's side and my dad's side. Just blended together. I'd say I've got about a quarter or so, somewhere between a sixth and a quarter Irish, which another aspect of the, of the Irish uh, culture that I love is, and there's an old saying in Ireland, that a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. And I like Rob, that. I mean, you yep. know, you've known me long enough that I don't meet strangers. Yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> very, very true. Um, we've, we've really enjoyed uh, being able to... Uh, Paige has come. She comes from a background uh, a little bit different. She comes from a little bit more of an isolation isolationist background, where you know her dad. You mean the homeschooling? Part? Well, homeschooling, but also just the culture of her family. See, her dad was he was former military weapons specialist, U.S. Army. Thank you for your service, sir. I still appreciate <laughs> that. Um, please don't shoot me. <laughs> Most dads, when they leave home, they tell their they tell their daughters, you know, bye, sweetheart, I love you. Uh, see you when I get home. No, whenever he left, it was, now remember, two in the chest, one in the head, and when the police come, say, I don't know, officer, he told me he was going to kill me, I believed him, and I'd like to speak to my lawyer. <laughs> so that's a, that's a little bit of a different upbringing. So uh, when we got married, it was really interesting, her coming into my highly social, highly friendly, mm, you know, yeah. people are just wonderful dynamic. Um to coming from that it's 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 been a bit of a culture shock but you know god love her she's embraced it she's kept a good humor and now she's even more popular and she than i am and she yeah. definitely uh, definitely has more yeah. people that like her than i do yeah. um, <laughs> so you talk about relationships yeah how important are the relationships in your life right now who are some of the key important relationships in your life oh uh, you know what there's i like to say that there's Jesus modeled his best. You have your inner circle of, mm -hmm. of confidence, people who you yep. are, your Amen. authentic yep. self with. And you have your outer circle. He had his 12 disciples. Yeah. And then you had your, um, then he had all of his thousands of followers. I like to think that there's another circle um, within that. But, you know, I've, I've, uh, over the last several years, I've been able to uh, compile a, a list of uh, inner circles. Now, he had three. I got about seven, mm -hmm. which... I mean, for someone like me, I, again, I'm highly social, highly gregarious, and I also don't really have a lot of. Uh, <clears throat> I don't keep, I don't filter much of what I say. <laughs> I just kind of put it out there. I don't have a lot of privacy issues, um, and so it's like, hey, listen, if you're willing to come alongside, if you want, if you want to, you know, pour into this friendship, into this relationship, I'm all about it. And so, I got a group of five guys that, or four other dudes, just total mm -hmm. five of us that you know we've been there for each other yeah. for for many years and it's actually a group that kind of formed through the crossing yeah. and uh, the togetherness there and you know life has life has brought us even closer together we've been able to celebrate we've been able to do just wonderful things in every stage of life marriages you yeah. know uh, purchasing houses um oh, having babies losing yeah. family you know just these big transitions we've all been there for each other I remember when you guys were in your 20s and nobody was married yet. <laughs> well, some of you had houses. But nobody had kids and you guys had been kind of tracking one another in terms of uh, it's great to have a group of friends like that that you can do life with like that. Sure. And it's been absolutely wonderful. You know, I actually have uh, another group of friends that we've We've all gone our separate ways. We don't even all live in the same state. Hey, one of us is even a missionary to Papua New Guinea. It's a wow. different small group Bible yeah. study I connected up with individually. And uh, it was through a church down in the city and uh, in West County. And we it was, it was five of us total. And uh, we, we really just bonded. And even though we don't see each other very much, we're there for the major life events and we stay, we try to stay in, you know, we have a text thread going. It's been going for years. We've got mm -hmm. a, uh, we, we do zoom calls every once in a while. And every time someone got married, we were all there. We came in from all over the country to be, to get, be, for, be there for each other's weddings. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a different dynamic, but the same level of brotherhood, the same level of togetherness is, it's just yeah. an absolutely beautiful thing. And then there's a couple of individuals. There's two individuals that even though they're not part of either of these circles, mm -hmm. You know, 
we've we've been there in the deepest parts of each other's lives, um, tragedies through the through the highs and the lows, you know. And there's nothing that we can't share. There's nothing we can't talk about. And we're there to to build each other up and to really support each other in the in the, in the hard times. And so each group has its own purpose, has its own place, and it's got its own. I even hate to say its own level because they're all in the same portion of the inner circles. They get to see the real Caleb. They get to see the real me. And every one of those groups and every one of those individuals I cherish with the deepest parts of me. But they all serve different purposes and they all serve a different um, they all serve a different uh, role. And it's been wonderful to see how that's evolved over time. Well, then this F3 group this kind of formed into the more outer circle. We have our mm. fun. We, we, we are on the same mission. And then even some of the more casual connections through, through church and through acquaintances and through, um, you know, just showing up at the same, the same group gatherings and everything. Like we recognize each other. We, we, we always converse really well together. And it's always, it's not a party. It's not a real party unless we're all there, but it's still not as tight and it's still not yeah. as close. And then, of course, there's, you know, all the people that I connect with and I'll just, I'll be able to, oh, yeah, I, hey, how are things going with such and such? Or, you know, just a quick conversation, just a casual acquaintance that you'd chit-chat, small talk, move on with life. Hey, it's great to see you again. Maybe we'll see each other again in six months and then right. don't even think twice yeah. about it. And you're how old right now? I'm 35. 35, okay. Rub so, it in, Rob. Mm, rub it in. No, no, 35 <laughs> is young. Definitely young. Um, My knees are kind of disagreeing with you at this yeah. point in time, dude. Is there anybody in your life right now that you're mentoring that you've kind of taken under your wing? I mean, I know you have friends and it's kind of like a mutual uh, relationship that goes on there. But is there anybody that you're being intentional about taking under your wing, basically, to mentor? Yeah, you know, in different aspects, there's different people. For some reason, I seem to be doing a lot more relationship mentoring than, yeah. than a lot of other types of mentoring. Yeah. And mostly the reason why is because, well, I haven't really spent a whole lot of time with a lot of dudes younger than me, or significantly significantly younger than me. Um, there are a few guys who are uh, getting started off in their in their marital journey, whether it be they're just getting married mm-hmm. or one of my dear friends I've known for, for several years now, he, he and his... Uh, uh, his lady have just just got engaged over Christmas on Christmas mm-hmm. Day, and so uh, getting to to walk with them through this process yeah. of okay, now you're going to be a husband. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Let's talk about yeah. this. Yeah. So that's a delightful thing. Um, you know, my my sisters in law they're a bit younger than me. My mm-hmm. wife's younger sister she's ten years younger than her. You know, than the, the baby of the family. She's I can't even math right now. She's turning. I think she's seventeen now, turning seventeen. Megan, don't kill me. I can't That's remember how old you are. But yeah, she's, she's graduating high school this year. Hey, homeschool. She's 17. She's graduating high school this year, doing it a year early. Fantastically brilliant girl. But, you know, these are some people that I get I get to, however much this means, I get to kind of like pour into and then um, kind of help them get, get their feet underneath them as they start yeah. off with life. And then, of course, my brother-in-law, he's uh, 26. And same thing, you know, helping kind of pour into him as much yeah. as I can, share the yeah. wisdom of, of my extra years. So when you were growing up, like when you were a kid, who poured into you? Oh, dude, I was so socially awkward. I don't think anybody wanted uh, to pour into me unless it was pouring me into a locker. I look back, dude, have you ever looked back at pictures when you were growing up, you look at yourself and you're like, dang, uh, I want to kick that kid's butt. Wait, gosh. that's me. Yeah, it's okay. I still want to kick my, no. I want to kick my own butt. No. That was who I was. Um, I feel bad for all those adults in the Boy Scouts who who had to pour into me because that was their role mm-hmm. as a scoutmaster. I probably was more socially awkward and just didn't understand what was going on. Do you think any of those relationships or any of the, those men made a real impact in your life now, today? I remember all of them. I remember every one yeah. of those men that that I was in the Boy Scouts with, mostly because of proximity, and I don't forget people. I mean, I don't, I don't forget people's faces. I don't forget their names, and I can, I can tell you, every person that I I've, I've ever met and had any sort of relationship with, whether it be acquaintance yeah. or whatever, I can tell you who they are, how we met, and some stories surrounding that relationship. It's yeah. wonderful. It's actually kind of awkward though, because a lot of people forget me, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm learning that that's kind of normal. But um, there's, part of the reason there's, there's, I ask is oh, yeah. because it's um, uh, being a youth leader. It's that's one of my passions in life. Sure. And it's I I wonder um, how big of an impact to spending time with these kids from middle school through high school. How big of an impact that'll actually be. I've been fortunate and blessed to have a couple of kids once they aged out in terms of a um, high school. I've still been able to stay connected with them, still have a relationship with them. Um, part of what I really love about the, the quarter life generation is that's just a wonderful, fantastic age group to pour into young adults where they really appreciate the time that I spend with them. Yeah. And, um, I have some amazing quarter life students who not only are we able to do quarter life together, but uh, this weekend, for example, we have a pop-up uh, serve opportunity down at Hope House. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've reached out to some of those quarter-lifers, and I've already had one of them respond back to me mm-hmm. in the affirmative. And it's I won't be the least bit surprised if I get a couple more that respond back. So Not just right. love that group. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what. You, you've highlighted something that I was actually – you brought me back this, to, to two people who – they were the ones who made the biggest difference in my life into shaping me into the man that I am now. Mm. Who's that? Um, and the, one of which was actually my youth leader. Huh? And it's, wow. For all the youth pastors out there or youth workers or youth leaders, whether you're vocational minister or not, by being a part of a youth program and being a leader in a youth program, I think you're having a bigger impact than you probably even recognize because a lot of times – there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes in a kid's mind or in a teen's mind or in their life that you won't even see the ramifications because what you by pouring into these youth, you're setting them off on a journey and you're helping them to build a foundation that will be the first step on the path to the rest of their life. And because of the investment that you've made into them, you're helping them to set off on the right path. Now, the two people that made the biggest impact for me was my old youth pastor mm-hmm. and the pastor that I was, you know, the, of the church, the same church. Uh, the youth pastor's name was Tom Papez. He was also a high school teacher at Timberland High School and a football coach. I got to play for him. It was a remarkable mm-hmm. experience. The dude was, ne- there was never a boring moment with the yeah. guy. And he had just the most creative, bizarre, weirdest, but memorable um, activities. Uh, sermons, just messages, or just mm. these quirky little things that he would do. Prime example, because he was youth minister, because of the per- not just that, because of the person that Jesus made him into, the man never swore. He never used profanity. Whereas wow. other coaches, they would be yeah. they would be letting loose with a string of profanity that would make a sailor go, "Hang on a second, dude, that's taking it a little bit much." I very distinctly remember him. Instead of using you know, words of profanity, he would scream out things like "Campbell soup," you know, <laughs> "Subway hoagie." I was like, "That someone even have hoagies in the world?" <laughs> but he's the guy who took this awkward, socially awkward teenage boy, a band geek, who then moved on to be a an isolated loner and turned him and gave him an opportunity to participate in the youth program because mm-hmm. he saw value yeah. in the individual and he saw the potential not because of anything that was special about my personality yeah. again I wanted to kick my own butt looking back at the person I was yeah not because I was super attractive or I was over intelligent or I came from, you know, I had any kind of special traits about me, but because he saw the value in me because of the person that Christ made me to be. And he decided that he was going to pour into that, not just me, but he did this with everybody. And then he, he pulled me out of my shell and he helped to highlight those special traits. And it gave me a sense of confidence in who I am in Christ. And he actually, he actually was instrumental in, in, um, in my faith becoming my own. He actually invited me on a mission trip to South America. This is back in 2003. And he said, you know, putting the other team to go to Ecuador on a mission trip, you want to go? I said, wait, foreign country? I've never been out of the country. This would be awesome. So here I am, 17 years old, like getting a trip to go and getting an ch- opportunity to go to, to South awesome. America. Yeah, I'm going to do it. So skipping a bunch of steps, going down there and not going into the whole story uh, right now. Mm-hmm. 
I actually had a road to Damascus experience down there. We were actually, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. It was a full on, like, a, a, a theophany. It was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in my life. It was short of a physical presentation of the Lord to me. But his presence was overwhelming and real. And it was from that moment on that my faith was no longer just an abstract concept or Christianity was just a bunch of stories that I heard or flannel graphs that I learned and I watched when I was in, in Sunday school growing up. No, Christ became real and he became my savior. It was at that moment. And if it wasn't for that youth pastor mm. who poured into me because he saw value in me, yeah. I would not have gone down that I would not have gone, gone down that path. I would not have given church a second chance and I definitely would not have gone to South America. So that may have changed your entire eternity. It it really it really did. So it's amazing that that you Rob have this opportunity and I love to hear the stories and how so many kids have have call them kids now how many youth and teens and and young adults because that's really yeah. what they are now teens are because, teens are young adults they are now young they really adults are. now I know. because they're I having to face them. so many different things and they're having to grow up a lot faster yeah. than I had to Lord knows that <clears throat> they're way more mature than I was at that age <laughs> but being able to see you pour into them and getting to see the responsiveness how these kids are giving up on them I'm just going to keep using the word kids because right whatever no, compared to me they are yeah getting to watch them uh, voluntarily choose to give up their free Saturdays to go and serve people that they're not going to know this side of heaven. They're amazing. Yep. They're truly amazing young adults. Yeah. yeah. So do you, what, what are some of those stories? I'd love to hear some, just one example of a story of one of those kids that you've seen that transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the interesting kids uh, back in youth group, uh, who was kind of a loner. He took to me because I was into photography, right? Yeah. I wasn't even a small group leader, but because of the fact that I carried a camera, he took an interest in me. Yeah, yeah. And I could gradually see him over the years that was part of the, the youth group at the crossing gradually grow and change from being this. I mean, high school, it's such, it can be such a challenging period for kids just in terms of their, their identity and how easy it is for them to be bullied and picked on, <laughs> especially if you're a loner, you don't fit into mm -hmm. like one of the, the peer groups. And he was that loner person, but he kept coming to a youth group week after week after week. So we built a relationship and um, I ended up getting one of my older cameras and sharing my older cam with him during events like Winter Blast and Summer Camp. Yeah. And so he kind of acted as uh, my understudy and... Uh, um, so even now, now that he's uh, graduated and he's um, in college, mm -hmm. even now he and I still periodically get together and have coffee, just do life and just see what's going on. And it's so those are the type of relationships that I value. Um, Man, it's so awesome because you know that the simple act of giving that kid an old camera and setting him out on the right path, like that could very well have changed that kid's life. I, I no idea yeah. who this kid is. I don't know what he's doing now, yeah. but man, alive. You never know what little thing might be a world changer. Like what kid, what what story might you invest in that could be the next Billy Graham, that could be the yeah. next Ben Carson, that could be the next Martin Luther King. Yeah. yeah. Um, Martin Luther, for that matter. Who knows? Right. I mean, you might you might have a monk who decides to go and, and radicalize the world. I don't even know, man. <laughs> Some of the quarter-life students that I've had the, the honor and privilege of you know, uh, facilitating doing life with, last time we got together at Hope House, I invited um, a couple of my favorite girls. And what they did is they ended up reaching out to some of their friends. And so it was this great multiplier effect. Yeah. Um, and I've always felt like the Holy Spirit has inspired me to, you invite and I'll convict people. And uh, I mean, every time we've been together at Hope House, 
it's he's done a great job of providing people basically to help out down there. So, and I'm sure the Saturday it's going to be the same thing. I'm sure, we'll get a good turn. I'm sure we'll get a bigger than needed turnout down at Hope House. So, well, the plus side is not going to be minus two degrees or the night minus fourteen wind no, chill in an actual right. blizzard. <laughs> we'll actually be inside, <laughs> yeah. which would be nice. So that'll be good. Oh man, I'll tell you what, I love hearing how that's working. And I'll tell you what, I'm so glad the weather's starting to warm up a little bit. Yeah. Goodness gracious, Amen. can you believe what we just got through? Yeah. Although, <laughs> going back to the F3 group, we had a bunch of us standing outside uh, working out at the, at the uh, Legacy Park in Cottleville uh, on Saturday morning in the middle of the active snow. We had snow beards going on, or ice beards. I, I look like a Nordic Viking with, that, with this thing. I actually wound up shaving um, after that just because I realized, hey, you know what? I do not need that much ice weighing on my face when I have to stand outside. <laughs> but, oh, that was... a. Uh, that was a legacy, man. So, no, yeah, I'm going to circle back to something you said. I said circle back. I hate using that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you mentioned that uh, you mentioned that this, the Holy Spirit has, has convicted you that you invite and he will work. Amen. And that's that is so beautiful. That's such a beautiful thing because you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And it's your gift. You have a gift of being able to build relationships and pour into these people. You have a gift of outreach. That's something that you've been especially. Especially, like you've you've done that. You've you've been able to develop this community, and everywhere around you, you have the ability to form a community. You know, you you kind of uh, in my own life, you've got to, you talk about quarter lifers staying in touch. You've pulled together a group of what six of us. We, every every couple of months, you like, hey, it's six o'clock on a Saturday. What do you say? You want to get it together for coffee, a bread co, or McDonald's yeah. or something? And you know, we're married. We got families. We got houses that are falling apart, or need always yeah. need something being done. Like you know what? No, no. We want to be there for Rob, and we want to be there for each other. Going back to that community thing. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that that's, awesome? That's a gift. That's totally group. awesome. Um, I discovered early on, like when I first started attending the crossing, just the power of an invitation. Oh, man. It's just incredible, the power of an invitation. Um, how many people are receptive to that? And then also, I think since I'm an Enneagram One, mm-hmm. um, I have this, I don't know if you call it the gift or just a personality trait, or I like to try to organize things. Yeah. And so one of the things that I think is neat is that um, we're created in the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. And one of God's greatest attributes is creativity. And so when you can take just out of nothingness, create pockets of community and just invite friends together for coffee, conversation, quality time. Um, I just think it's living out how God created me and at the same time, getting to enjoy just the friendships that uh, we've developed over the past, gosh, what's it been, like 10 years? It's, it's part of your 10 years. Yeah. Now, no, you, you mentioned, mentioned uh, Enneagram Type 1. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel terrible. I, my wife has read so, several of the Enneagram books. I've taken the test myself. I know my Enneagram is. I know yeah. what my wings are. I don't know any of the rest of them. Uh, what is the Enneagram Type so 1? So the Type 1... I don't like the title for it. They call it a perfectionist, which I think has negative connotations. I'd like to view myself as being someone who's very detail-oriented, task-oriented. If something needs to get done, I don't see it being done. I'll take whatever steps necessary to make sure that it gets done. Um, so you're more like the, the task completer. Like You have the ability to see a task through to its completion yep. and make sure that it's done right. Well, that's fantastic. I definitely don't have that ability. I'm way too ADD for that. <laughs> yeah, my personality type is a type three. It's an achiever. Mm. So yeah. I'm always striving for the next thing to achieve, the next goal, I'm, uh, the next uh, the next accomplishment point, which is ironic because I'm very bad at vision casting and goal setting. I really need to work on mm. that. But my, type, my second one is type two, which that's the, uh, the helper. Mm-hmm. So you put the type three and the type two together, they call you the charismatic. Mm. Oh, hey, there's that. So going back to the, hey, I love people as part of the Irish in me and uh, the fact that I can talk to a wall until the wall is tired of hearing me. So <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's, that's, that's part of that one. Man, I've come a long way. But again, bringing it back to what we were talking about right before you said the Enneagram is the power of the invitation. Yep. You see, all Amen. of this, all of this was made possible because of the invitation of one guy at the crossing. Yep. I had started, I connected up with the crossing. I, it was um, actually 10 years ago. Yeah. It was uh, 2000, 
2011. It was 2010 and 2011 is when I first set foot through there. But it's 2011 is when I really started getting connected up with group. Because I went to the uh, uh, the original meeting at Shavitz. I don't even remember what it was called. Ah, I, have, yes, I still right, have the flyer. Right. I remember that. That was when yeah. they decided to pull all the services together. At that point in time, I think they had yep. three, four different services. And they said, no, we're going to be one campus. Yep. We're gonna to meet together, and they rented out the Shafitz Arena down yep. at Slope. I remember. And we get we had everyone gathering together, and it was a beautiful thing. It was hilarious because they put they did a really good videography where they took a bunch of like um, celebrity like key people from around the world, and they 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 Photoshop Greg Holder into that, like he's shaking hands with the Pope. <laughs> we knew that that wasn't the case, but uh, Greg Holder ministry. It was all a complete <laughs> joke, but. It was still it was still memorable, but I remember showing up. There's this arena full of people. I didn't know anymore. I knew maybe four people there. There's this one guy that I met at Quarter Life. His name was Sean. Yeah. And I would just happen to be sitting in the bleachers, you know, a few rows in front of him. And I walk in. I had only met him once. And he looks at me and he goes, hey, why don't you come and sit up with us? Beautiful. And I Beautiful. and I did that that right there that one moment, I started just talking to the people around me yeah. and the people who were around started talking to me. They asked who I was, how long yeah. I've been coming around, mm. um, and I just started slowly, slow, emphasis on slowly yeah. building those connections. Yeah. And you know, someone threw out in, hey, we're we're showing up, you know, we're quarter life on on, on this. Uh, I think it was Wednesdays or Tuesdays or something. I can't remember. Yeah. Thursdays at the time. Uh, why'd you show up? Okay, so I showed up, and when I showed up, they rec- they, they recognized me. All they said was, "Hey, how you doing?" Fabulous, and then just let me be a part of this stuff. And I kept showing up, and eventually they said, "Hey, we're going out to grab some food after this. You want to come along?" It was just they invited, I showed up. They invited, I showed up, and eventually, I became a core member of that group. And through that one invitation, I've developed all the friendships and. And all the relationships that I treasure to this day. Yep. It was one yeah. invitation that changed my life. Yeah, right. So, Sean, if you're listening, it's because <laughs> of you, buddy. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Just the power of an invitation. But now think about it. Who is there out there that you potentially need to invite into either a conversation with you or a group setting? That power of the invitation. Well, you're talking to the guy who, again, I. I'll talk to anybody about right. anything. So, yeah. <laughs> um, man, I'll tell you what, I try to keep as many people invited to as much as possible because I'm a, I'm a, I'm the kind of guy that more people yeah. at a party, the more fun the party. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good question, though. Is there anybody that I haven't invited to something that needs to be invited to? I need to think about that one, man. Yep. Man, you have to make me think. Go deep and there think about my own right. stuff. Yep. Is there? Whether it be an invitation to to a church, someone who's disconnected, or an invitation to a you know, uh, a gathering into a social circle. I mean, how many people are really struggling with any yeah. kind of social connections, whether it be because of COVID or even before COVID, people just didn't have the ability to connect up with other folks. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, I'm going to kind of hammer on this one for a second, okay. man. You ever notice how that the, the more Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, WhatsApp, all these different social media applications, the more people pour into those, the more seem to pop up. And the more social media outlets we have, the more difficult we find actually developing real community and real relationships. Um, you can preach it, brother, because I'm for <laughs> Lent. I'm fasting from social media, with the exception of have one small little hiccup in that is I tried to turn off my account and people who use my pictures mm. they said, oh, by the way, all my albums have disappeared now. Oh, no. So... What I'm doing, and I'm still, um, since I run with Big River Training Team and also take pictures, so I'm trying to limit myself to just uploading pictures on Sundays and then addressing anybody's questions or comments on Monday. But the other six and a half days of the week, just fast from it. And uh, candidly, even though like we're only a week into it, it's I can sense like less angst, less anxiety, mm-hmm. less FOMO, all that type of stuff. So. <laughs> Less time spent scrolling endlessly yeah, on your phone. Yeah, right, right. No, so my wife and I actually made the decision for that. We actually wound up finding ourselves sitting across from each other on, on opposite couches one day for a half hour, not saying a word. Finally, I looked up at her and I said, hey, what are you doing? Scrolling. Uh, what are you doing? 
scrolling at that yeah. moment we realized that we had just wasted yeah. a half each yep. of us had wasted a half Preach hour it. wasted yep. right half hour yeah. mindlessly scrolling through an app and we made the decision we're going to remove the app from our phone so if we actually need to access it mm-hmm. we'd have to do it through the browser we'd have to do yeah. it through our uh, through a it's computer good. good balance it still allows us to stay connected with people to especially give updates on on our son as he is developing yeah. as we get closer and closer um but it prevents us from mindlessly scrolling yeah. for endless times. I think that's good. I definitely think that there's um, positive. That's um, just negative and positive. It's, it's the, the tool itself is neither good nor bad. It's kind of how we use it, right? Sure, sure. So if you have a, an addictive personality, then you have to figure out how to go ahead and set limits in place. So like you're saying, you know, you're right oh, there yeah. with your, your wonderful spouse. Who wants to spend time scrolling on Facebook when you could be spending quality time with Paige? Absolutely. Now instead of scrolling mindlessly on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, we're mindlessly turning pages of books. <laughs> we're reading we're reading separate books across from each other. You know, you just you brought up a thing. Maybe I should maybe we should pick the same book and read it and like start our own family book discussion. That's a great idea. I mean, we're already Yeah. You know, the Bible is always a good a good one that yeah. we're we're yeah. going through. But uh you know, it's Reading is yeah. one of those things that I respected so much that I don't make New Year's resolutions, but I decided this year I was going to be much more intentional about reading, and so I am. And so really? I'm going to bed about um, half an hour before I'd normally mm-hmm. go to sleep, and I'm either specifically going through different sections of Scripture I've got about half a dozen books on my nightstand that I'm going through. Yeah. <laughs> going back to the type one, you are going to complete all of those, aren't you? There, Rob. It depends on what I'm <laughs> in, in terms of what I read. So, yeah, it might take you all year, but I have every confidence as you get through all those six. And you know, I'm a voracious note taker. So typically, what I like to do when I mm. read a book is I like to sit in front of my laptop and I like to take notes and then develop questions. And yeah. that's I think what's led to me being like a facilitator uh-huh. whenever i listen to pastors preach take notes and when i go back through my notes i take my questions and um yeah i think it's just the way god hardwired me i love that you can do it on a computer because then your books stay in pristine conditions i sit there with yeah. a pen and my yeah. in my book and i'm sitting there writing on the pages i'm circling highlighting all stuff when people get i have to be very careful that i don't do that in books people have lent me so I hand it back to him. It's like got all my my thoughts and notes in it. I did that once. My uncle. I still think I don't think he, he's ever forgiven me for that one. I probably should give him another copy. Of that one just whatever. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, <laughs> I love it. You know, note taking. It's it's one of those things I never appreciated when I was going to school. And now that I'm older and I'm actually like my memory's starting to fail me a little bit. I think it's starting to clutter up with a bunch of useless nonsense. <laughs> Did you say now that you're old? <laughs> older, older. Maybe it's the fact that I got a baby on the way and I'm like starting to get yeah. the sleep deprivation overall. But I'm forgetting a lot more. It's, it's yeah. just compiling. I got a bunch of stuff rattling around on my noggin. But anyway, I never bothered to ask you, uh, of all these different books you're reading, are any of them uh, things you'd recommend? Is there anything noteworthy? Or is it more of a, hey, these are things that I just find, I just saw saw on the shelf that looked interesting and I thought I'd grab it, but I'm not really enjoying any of them right. that much. Um, so they're all, one of them is Chip Ingram. Um, oh, I love it. The yeah. Invisible War that has to do with spiritual warfare. Hmm. Um, I'm reading another book that a friend recommended to me in terms of discovering what it means to be, have my identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm also reading a uh, book by Jay Stringer called Unwanted that deals with a lot of the brokenness that both men and women face, in particular how sexual brokenness, uh, it's, it's just a pandemic yeah. in our culture these days. And then um, Tim Keller's book, um, I think it, it's a, a book on relationships and marriage. So those are four of the books right now that I, I have that I'm at one stage or another reading. So you're basically setting yourself up to be the world's greatest youth leader. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. You know, the, the, so many of those different topics that you've identified there. Spiritual warfare, you know, the Bible does say the war is not against flesh or principle, uh, the oh powers of this world, but against the... Um, I'm drawing a blank in the script. I'm going to look this thing. Powers and principalities. Powers yes. and principalities, yes. yeah. Um and I would say, if any during the the year of COVID, I have personally experienced it and noticed it in my life more than any other time. I mean, we're being isolated from the church. What better time for the enemy to go ahead and um, try to knock us off course? 
Oh, you're not wrong, man. I think the church is the church has there's two different types. There's those who are thriving, and there are those who are really struggling. And I think that has everything to do with this the structure and the foundation of the church itself. Was there you know, is there unity in the church? The churches that were unified already are the ones I think are uh, weathering the storm a little bit better. The ones who had solid community and refused to give that up under any circumstances, they're weathering the storm a lot better. And the ones that had good, solid biblical preaching, mm-hmm. I think the ones that had those three key elements are the ones that are doing the absolute best. Now, there's some who are, you know, all positive, positive, power of positive thinking, and those guys, they'll, they'll, weather any storm and they're going to still collect their their offering money and that's fine but you know i think through this covid pandemic people are starting to realize what really matters and i think think that is if you're going to try to summarize what really matters one word authenticity okay and i think uh, authenticity or to phrase a different way substance because there were so many empty promises or broken promises or unfulfilled hopes that so many people promised answers or solutions or resolutions or whatever, and it never came. So when something comes along, when someone comes along and actually has a message with substance behind it, i.e. the gospel, mm-hmm. the Bible, the scriptures, the truths of the truth of God, When you have a group of people who have authentic community unified behind that, I think that's where you find. I think those are the 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 the, the groups in the churches that are best set up to come out of this pandemic stronger than ever and positioned for growth. Because what we just faced was a a refinement by fire we, were, we went through the the smelting furnace where all the impurities were burnt where some of the where the impurities were burned away you know the casual church attender they didn't have the church that was going to judge them for not showing up they could sleep in on a sunday you know you didn't have people who were there to hold them accountable the people who are going who are going to show back up at church when the church is open are the ones who are there because they want to have the community of Christ. They want to have the fellowship with the fellowship of the body together. I think we're going to see a different church on the other side of this pandemic. And I think it's going to be a stronger church, a better church, a deeper church. I think it's going to be a more real church. And I think some of the chaff has been burned away. But going back to the invitation, this is a beautiful opportunity because now we'll be able to identify some of the people who really need to have that second invitation to really embrace the gospel. Like, hey, I don't see that that one individual anymore. What happened to them? Oh, they haven't been back since we they haven't come back since the church has opened back up. Well, now we know where to focus our efforts. Amen. So how about your church that you attend? How well do you think they've done during the pandemic? Have they thrived? Or have they they fallen backwards? I think that well, they, I think they've thrived in some areas. They've actually grown in other areas. I've, I've um, they they had a very solid community going into into this, and they also I mean they had everything we were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. They had uh, the unity. They had a solid community, and they had biblical preaching. They really did. Um, The pastor is setting us up at the church for an incredible explosion of growth. He actually, Mm. he's got this wonderful vision um, because of, he's been, he's he's actually a a veteran of 25 years of ministry and he's been running at, uh, you know, at, at, uh, you know, 100 meter dash pace for 25 years, you know, ministerially speaking. And so he's actually on a sabbatical right now. Um, he's, he's taking a 90-day uh, leave of absence, and it's coming to a conclusion here pretty soon. We're excited to have him back. Um, I've got to say, it's not been the same without him. It yeah. really hasn't. It's got a totally different feel, and uh, that's that's definitely a uh, an eye-opening revelation for me. How how, how important a solid leader at mm-hmm. the helm of a church is. Yep. Yeah. I've definitely seen, um, just in my 
limited exposure that there are some pastors who have thrived and in the midst of this um, and I've, just, I've grown to have much more respect and appreciation for some of the pastors I've known who have actually thrived in the midst of all this yeah now speaking of uh, pastors and thriving and everything else I'm going to kind of shift gears here I want to get your thoughts on this mm-hmm. one um, I don't know if you've heard about the Robbie Zacharias revelation scandal no they've come out oh well, sorry to be the did bearer of bad away? news. He did. He passed yeah. away. Actually, talking about uh, uh, weathering storms. Actually, just in the last couple of weeks, it came out that um, some accusations have been made against him and uh, sexual abuse and spiritual abuse um, over the course of many years of his ministry. And uh, I have not personally looked into the allegations of the investigation that in depth, but. RZIM uh, hired an outside investigative firm to look into these accusations and the report came back and it does not reflect very well on um, on Dr. Zacharias, unfortunately. And um, it would seem that once again, a, a popular and well-respected, well-loved Christian leader fell victim to um, the position of power that, that that he was put in, and uh, went down went down a road that oh so many of them have gone down. And it, the more I think about it, the more I see these major call it celebrity ministry leaders and celebrity pastors, you know, having these accusations levied against them, and it turning out to be true. It's breaking my heart, Rob. It's breaking my heart. And I'm so thankful that the pastors that you and I look up to, the ones that we've personally come under um, the, the leadership of, there have not been those accusations made. And because I'm not going to say they're better men or that they're men of substance that have, you know, that are, that can't fall victim. Every single one of us can fall victim to something like this, but. There, but by the grace of God. There, but by the grace of God. But more than that, these guys have been intentional about how they've set up these systems of protection around themselves Mm. and around the people. So they can be beyond reproach. They they don't put themselves in situations where their integrity can be compromised. And I think that that is a... There's so much wisdom to that. There really is. Because... You know, they say with great power comes great responsibility. Yep. Power Amen. corrupts absolute power yep. com- corrupts absolutely. The the more I go, the longer I go through life, the more I observe, the more truth I find to that. And so, man, I'll tell you what. Going back to the whole statement about you know you being a fantastic youth leader, Rob, I just appreciate the man that you are, the man of integrity, and how far you'll go to make sure that your honor is unquestionable. And, so, and to make sure that your actions and your uh, influence is only ever for good, is only ever to drive people closer to the Lord rather than to detract people from Him. So I listened to uh, Jack Graham at a, a phrase or a statement that he said that he wanted to live a blameless life with nothing to fear, nothing to hide. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? That's the life I want to live. Not mm. a perfect life. It's not, not going to be a sinless life. But I want to lead a blameless life where I have nothing to fear, nothing to hide. Whatever my sins are, that they're, I'm repentant for those. They're out in the open. I'm not trying to pretend to be anything that, that anybody would think that I'm not. Yeah. And um, that resonates with me more during this season of life. Because you can bet the enemy would love to topple anybody in ministry who's built up a reputation of being credible, trustworthy, just for the damage that it does against the church. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, the, the bigger you are, the bigger target yeah, you've painted right. on yourself. You know, yeah, the more right. influence you have, the bigger the you know, the more the the the, the enemy is going to send his forces against you. Amen. And I'm fortunate in terms of like I'm small potatoes in terms of who the enemy would really go after. But don't think for one minute that the enemy doesn't want to go after every single one of us in whatever way possible. 
Yeah. And you know, I'm not saying that we should all strive to have a big target painted on us, but if you're not facing adversity, you're not facing spiritual attacks, are you really making a big difference for the gospel? Because he's not going to waste all of his forces on someone who's not making a difference anyway. Right. Yeah. You know, you're not going to send your, you know, going here's a football reference. You're not going to send your, uh, your, you know, your linebackers after a guy who's hanging out on the sidelines. Yeah, right. You're going to go after the ball carriers. You know, if you're doing something, if you're going to advance the gospel, you're going to face all that adversity. If you're not facing adversity, then how much are you really making an impact? Yep. Amen. Um, well, dang, I just convicted myself there, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with where you're at now, it's uh, what do you see the next chapter of your life looking like? Dude, you know what? This is one of the, I've been I've been trying to establish that um, when Paige and I found out we were expecting, we had been hoping and praying to be able to start a family. And finally, the Lord um, blessed us with that, mostly because I think He was tired of listening to me ask, <laughs> ask about it. The parable You're of like, persistent right, widow. I'm telling yes, you what, amen, good. I wouldn't shut Stay up on. about it. And so we finally yeah. said, "Okay, fine. We'll give you a we'll give you a son." Um, it's brought into light something that I've never really thought about mm -hmm. in terms of familial leadership and, you know, being a husband, being a father is part of being the head of the household, part of being that, that spiritual head of the family, yep. not being the authoritarian where everybody else is less. No, we're, Paige and I are completely equal in all things and equal standing before the Lord. We just have different roles. Yeah. Part of what my responsibility is to set the vision and to set the to be the the primary culture setter for our family. And so when when you know it's just her and I, it's very easy because there's a lot of there's a lot you know she was a fully fully established you know fully actualized individual. She knew who she was, um, who the Lord made her to be, and I know the person that the Lord made me to be. And so when we came together, you know, we got married knowing that this is the person God made me to be. You're the person God made you to be. And then we're bringing this person together to be the couple that God made us to be. Now we have a whole new person that God's given us. He's a completely blank slate. So <laughs> what culture, what family culture do I want my son to be born into? Who, does, who do I want him to see his father becoming yeah you know am i going to be the person you know am i going to be a guy who just settles for the status quo or am i going to be a guy who's constantly striving to become a better version of me am i striving to be the person that god wants me to be am i going to be entrepreneur am i going to be industrious am i going to be um passive am i going to be a go-getter am i going to be a uh, a person who values leisure over hard work am i going to be a person who uh, strives to to better his himself physically, um, working out, making good, healthy choices, uh, fitness wise and dietarily. You know, am I going to be a workaholic? Or am I going to be an academic? Like, what culture do I want my son born into? And so I have to make right now. I'm trying to work through. Okay, what does that look like? What's that vision for the family? Who are we going to be? What are our our family values going to be? These are things that Paige and I kind of. We kind of discussed, but we more or less just kind of fell into. But now that we have a child who is coming and is, again, complete blank slate, yeah. he's going to be influenced very heavily by the choices that we make and by the, the vision that we set and the culture that we create. And so right now, my biggest focal point is creating the best possible environment for that baby to be born into. So is Paige trusting you to, to lead in that, to make like the... Uh, the major opening decisions and then she kind of weighs in in terms of whether she agrees or not or is she is she taking like a lead role in that we're actually trying to keep this keep all things balanced again i respect her um immensely she is an extremely intelligent woman she's got insight and wisdom that i can't even begin to describe yeah. uh she got away with words man she really does <laughs> she's fantastic with them um my role in this has been to in, to to begin the conversation and to kind of steer the conversation, to ask the questions, and to kind of identify different areas that we need to make some decisions about. Yeah. And then we come to mutual agreement on what you know what do we want to do. For example, 
um, do we want to be actively involved in uh, in gym memberships? Do we want to have an active gym membership and then be attending that, or do we want to do more of a at home type of workout, more of a you know workout in the basement calisthenics type of thing? Right now, we have the gym membership because hey, I love swimming. I want to be able to be a part a place where there's a swim uh, a pool for me to swim at. Um, getting involved with F three that's free. It's outdoors, but it's away from the house. You know, she's yeah. getting she's getting involved with some some cool fitness activities and. You know, do we want to be more adventurous and uh, go fitness wise? We want to do more hiking and out, like high adventure type stuff, biking, kayaking. Is that the kind of people we want to be? Um, so those are conversations we've had. Uh, what kind of a church environment do we want? Do we want to stay at a at a larger church where there's a lot of different ministry opportunities? There's a huge community where um, it's more small group based and you know it's so big that you, there's no possible way you can know everybody mm-hmm. but you have your small intimate group of, of you know friends and social circles or do we want to find you know, try to settle into something where you're going to have a much tighter knit community that's a conversation we haven't had yet where we will at some point we love where we've been we love the different options we have a lot of friends at a lot of different churches that are Always inviting us to participate in stuff. We're never without options. Um, you know, professionally, do, do we want her? To, you know, does she want to stay yeah, home right. and you know, be a, a homemaker? Even though she is a phenomenal nurse, she is a she's actually going to school right now to advance her credentialing even further. Um, myself, I, I'm an academic by by nature. Do I want to go back to advance my schooling as well? Do we put that aside to raise our children? I mean, how does that even look? So these are conversations that we have to have, but these are conversations and decisions we want to be able to establish before Neil gets here so that he can be born into a, a into an environment that knows who we are and we know not necessarily where we're going, but sort of the direction we're going to be heading. So it sounds like after you uh, have Neil... Um, I have to give you and Paige some time uh, under your belt to answer some of these questions and then have you come back and address <laughs> how you're actually trying to to lead in these sure, areas. Sure, sure. And I'll tell you what, I'll be happy to go through the decision-making process as well because I'll tell you what, man, I'm learning more and more people are struggling with the same things that we are. There's, I mean, how many people actually you know, get married, have kids, and never even have the conversation about what kind of culture they're setting? They just kind of fall into one. Yeah. Amen. Know? And... You will have a culture. You will have a family culture. It's just a question of how intentional are you going to be about building it versus are you just going to fall into it. So, um, you know, maybe that's something to have a conversation about. Maybe that's something I need to investigate. Maybe even write a book about how to how to build a family culture. That would be kind of fun. Amen. I like it. So, yeah, we'll... uh, We'll definitely have to have another uh, another follow up. Assuming, of course, you uh, want to have me back for further conversations <laughs> on your podcast, here, man. It's been absolutely a, pl- a privilege to be a part of your yeah. uh, inaugural podcast. In- and, uh, inaugural, right? Amen. Yeah, that this is, is uh, hopefully the, the start of something that's going to take off and become incre- uh, even more incredible than the man that you are now. That's, um, I appreciate that. So, thank you very much for coming by to uh, to join me. For another uh, chant, another podcast. Yeah, Rob, it's been an absolute delight, and uh, it's always, always walk away from conversation with you feeling uh, poured into, lifted up, and good. That's the goal, yeah. right, for both of us. I feel the same way. All right, thank you very much, my friend, and uh, we'll go and table it there, and we'll plan on getting back together again in the future. <laughs> All right, I love you, buddy. Love you too.